During the season of Advent, we are considering the gifts that God desires to give to His children. Last Sunday, we looked at the gift of peace. Uh, The peace not only from God, but peace that we can have through the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the things that was remarkable, it was one of those Sundays when I hadn't planned on um, having a call to pray to receive Christ uh, last Sunday, but as the service kind of started to end, I just really felt the Lord urging me to do that. And as a result, uh, eight people, five in the first service and three in the second service, uh, prayed to receive Christ. That is uh, the ultimate gift of peace. You receive the peace when you receive the gift of the Prince of Peace, uh, the one who uh, has peace in him and in us, even Jesus Christ. And this morning we're going to talk about the second gift that we identify in Romans chapter 5, and that second gift is the gift of his presence, his real presence with us. And so I'd like to read for you from Romans chapter 5, verse 2, from the Living New Living Translation, uh, this word. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us, now listen to this phrase, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. I mean, the gift of standing in God's presence, an undeserved, unwarranted, unearned privilege of standing in the presence of God. To me, that's one of the most remarkable things about the life that we experience in Christ, is that we can stand before God. I mean, throughout Scripture, you see everybody bowing down before God because of fear, because of the awesome power of God. Most people tremble at the notion of standing before God. I remember I asked one time, not too long ago, a person that was new in our church, and we were having a conversation, and, um, and, and, and I said, what, on what basis do you feel that you're going to uh, be in heaven uh, when, uh, when you pass away? And he said, well, because I'm a good person. And I said, so as a good person, when you stand before God, how are you going to stand before God? He said, I'm going to to hide behind a rock. (laughs) I'm a good person, but I recognize that I'm still not good enough to be in God's presence. Well, here's the gift on the second Sunday of Advent for you, for each and every one of us. You can receive the gift of standing in the presence of God, not hiding behind a rock, not fearful, not shunning, but simply standing before the Lord God. That is an amazing gift. Because when you look at the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, Adam and Eve, when they sinned, when they broke God's law, when they ate of that fruit, the Bible says that they hid from the Lord. Most of us, when we, if we were to think of ourselves standing before God, we would hide behind a rock or behind a tree or something. Moses, when he encountered the, not the real God, but the disguised God in the burning bush, when Moses encountered even a vestige of this God who disguised himself in a burning bush, the Lord said, take off your shoes, Moses, for the ground that you stand on is holy ground. We cannot possibly stand before the Lord. And when you find the whole system of the sacrificial system through the Old Testament, We come to the end of the Old Testament in those 400 years that we know nothing about 
before Jesus came. And we recognize that in the Jewish tradition, if you were to go into the temple uh, and a, a, a priest would go into the Holy of Holies, the most holy place in the temple, and the priest would go in there on your behalf because of your sins, the priest would go in there trembling because he would go in there, even though he was a priest, recognizing that if he was not pure and clean in his heart, he would simply die before the presence of holy God. So how is it possible that God can offer you and me this amazing gift of being able to stand when a priest, a priest that had served God all of his life could not stand in the presence of God? How is it possible that you and I can stand before God? This is the gift that God wants to give to each and every one of us. To be able to stand in His presence and hear those words, you, my son, you, my daughter, I am pleased with you. How is this possible? Well, this gift is understood, I believe, in the context of one of the great Christmas stories in the Bible. It's found in a couple of places, but the one I'm going to read from today is Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to read a couple of verses at the beginning of the chapter, verses 1 and 2, and then skip down to verse 9 through 11. This is one of those great stories that you've all learned since you were children. The story of the three wise men. Listen to the word of God. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And then skip down to verse 9. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until they stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. Now this is really one of the really wonderful parts of the Christmas story. Uh, Now traditionally, we talk about three wise men. Right now, if you go to our house, we have a crush set that I I gave Sherry a little uh, piece of the nativity scene each year, starting in 1983. was the first time I gave her the set. And, And over the years, I've had to add to the story. So it's not just uh, a donkey and a sheep. There's a pig in there and a cow. And uh, also, there's not three wise men. There's like 12 wise men and seven camels. Anyway, it's quite a a deal. But here's the the news, that um, uh, we don't know how many wise men traveled to see the baby Jesus. The text just simply says they were uh, travelers from the east. They were wise men or magi from the east. Now, what's interesting is that we have kind of hung on to the three because of a little Christmas song that was written uh, back in 1857 by John Henry Hopkins, an Episcopal priest who wrote, um, we three wise, or the, uh, the traditional hymn, um, what's the traditional hymn? Yeah, we three kings, that's it, yeah. Uh, the title of that song would have sounded funny to say, uh, we uh, many kings, or we some kings. So he said, we three kings. So we kind of believe for the last 150 years, it's three. But actually, there could have been quite a number. So these travelers came from the east. They followed the star, and they arrived to pay simple homage to the newborn king. Now, what's interesting is that these men were not Jews. They were Gentiles. 
they were religious astrologers uh, and scholars. Uh, each one of them was in their, own well, in their own way wealthy, educated, and certainly not given to fantasy or folklore. They were Gentiles, uh, most likely men of color, who traveled hundreds of miles over many months to visit a newborn Jewish king. Another part of the story that we kind of get it wrong because we have the, you know, the wise men at the stable. Well, this was probably two years after. Jesus was probably a toddler by this point. But they came to pay homage to the Jewish king. What an odd sight it must have been. When these rulers pulled into Jerusalem and parked their camels, noble Persians bearing great gifts and wearing the dust of a thousand miles. And when they saw the child... The text says in verse 11, they bowed down and worshipped him. Now, in the original language, that phrase, they bowed down and worshipped him, means literally, they fell on their face. To fall on one's face. What a picture of humility and reverence. Remember, these magi, uh, these princes of Persia, uh, these great leaders were used to having people fall down before them. And worship them. They were used to having everyone pay homage to them. And yet somehow, some way, they got the message and they followed the star and they came to pay homage to literally fall on their faces before this Jewish king. These men, these men worshipped with their whole heart. Now another phrase that's attributed to that same, uh, they, that they worshipped him, is the phrase to kiss toward. Uh, when you worship something, it's like you, you kiss toward that. You are so enamored, you are so in love with that particular thing that you are kissed, you kiss toward. These beautiful men falling on their faces and literally kissing the ground in worship and adoration of this newborn king. What, what a blessed picture. Uh, th- this is a, 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 a picture of men who give their entire lives, not just the gifts they brought, but their entire lives to this newborn king. You you, you must wonder what they talked about as they traveled for months uh, over these hundreds of miles. You must wonder what they were thinking about, how the Holy Spirit literally put into their hearts this love and desire to worship this child. It's, uh, It's surprising. It's not expected that these people would literally bow down and kiss the floor before Jesus. Yesterday, I had uh, the opportunity to talk to uh, one uh, woman, and we were talking about, uh, she's fairly new to the church, she and her family, and uh, she said almost every Sunday, she finds herself uh, crying. And I said, well, that's okay. I mean, we, that's, we're here, all of us, to worship and to draw close to God. And, and as we talked, this idea that, um, uh, well, where do these tears come from? Well, these tears come from a sense of, of joy, sense of belonging, a sense of literally, are you kidding me? Jesus did that for me? Are you kidding me? God loves me that much? Are you serious about God's grace? And all of these things kind of come tumbling out of a, a human spirit, and often there are tears. I'm sure that these noble Persian wise men felt this great joy and sense of power in being the presence of this newborn king. Well, they brought themselves, of course, the gift of themselves. It always starts with the gift of yourself. At Christmas season, the thing that Jesus wants from you, remember the Swedes, they give, uh, when it's their birthday, they give people presents. 
Well, at Christmas, Jesus wants to give you presents, and that present is the gift of his presence. I know we hide behind a rock. I know we're afraid to be in the presence of God. I know that that seems like a scary thing, but this great gift that God wants to give to you today is the gift of his presence and being able to stand in his presence. The gift of his presence. But in addition to that, these wise men, these magi, brought three gifts. Gold, a rare and priceless treasure, fit for a king, of course. Frankincense, a a treasure, a, a precious, valued spice from the Mideast, and myrrh, a coveted perfume from the Far East. It was kind of like the uh, Estelotter of uh, the Mideast in those days. Gifts of royalty to the royal one. They brought their best, their gifts fit for king. Now, we don't have this in Scripture, but uh, legend can be a, a remarkable thing because stories can be built up around a story, just like the three wise men. But there's a persistent legend from about the second century. And that persistent legend, even though it's not in Scripture, seems to make a lot of sense. And it's about the names of three of those magi. They were named Caspar, Melchior, and Balthasar. And the legend says that Melchior was an old man, gray-haired with a long beard, and it was he who brought the gift of gold. Now, gold is always a good gift in any day and any age. It's always a great gift to give to a king. It's something he would appreciate and enjoy. Uh, Seneca, uh, an early uh, church historian, uh, said that it was common in the ancient Near East that no one could approach the king without a gift. And what a gift that would be. The gift of gold, how can you go wrong with that? Melchior was this aged magi wanting to give his very best to the infant king. He brought gold. Then there was Caspar. Not the friendly ghost, I know what you're thinking. But Caspar, legend tells us, was this young, beardless, ruddy-complexioned uh, leader, this, this ruler. And he brought the gift of frankincense. It was a spice with a very sweet scent. It's the very perfume that was used later uh, by the priests in the Holy Roman Empire. And later, after the Protestant Reformation, it was also used in... Episcopalian churches and high churches, where if you would go and you would see a priest, remember if you grew up uh, in Catholic churches where they would swing this deal and there would have the scent, that would be the scent of frankincense. And what it said was that, uh, get ready, God is in your presence. Get ready, God's here right now. Can't you smell it? Can't you see it? Don't you know it? This is the very presence of God. So when, when um, Caspar brought this amazing gift, what he was saying, uh, the word priest comes from the Latin word pontifex, and that Latin word means literally a bridge builder. When, when you smell this incense, this frankincense, you recognize that God is present, and his presence here is for one purpose, and that is to be a bridge builder between God and you. So this gift, this child who grew up to be a man, is that bridge builder between a holy God who we cannot possibly touch on our own strength and sinful man. And how on earth do we touch a holy God? And that's what the meaning of this great gift was. That Jesus Christ took the hand of God because he was God. And he reached down and he took the hand of man because he was man. And he became that pontifex, that priest, that bridge builder 
between God and man. How can we stand in God's presence? It's because Jesus Christ has made a way. He is that bridge builder between sinful man and holy God. So when Caspar gave this amazing gift, this is what he was saying. You are the one that will bridge the gap between man and God. Jesus said of himself, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father. There's no getting to God except through me. The way that we can experience this gift of God's presence is by experiencing Jesus Christ. That's what we talked about last week. Experiencing Jesus Christ in your heart, in your life. And when you do that, you have that connection between God and sinful man in the person of Jesus Christ. There was a, a third gift and a third giver, Balthasar. Legend tells us that he was uh, kind of a young, dashing, Errol Flynn type. Um, you know, a, a, a Brad Pitt of the 1990s. You know, he's that kind of guy. And uh, with a newly grown beard, and it was he who brought the gift of myrrh. Now, this was probably the most astonishing gift of all. It was not the kind of gift you would normally give to a child. Myrrh was a, a fragrant resin. Again, you could smell it. A fragrant resin that was used as an oil for embalming. <laughs> So here, Balthasar says, I'm going to give this gift of embalming resin to the newborn king. Now, that seems like a very peculiar gift to give to the infant. But the gift was really a gift to help people recognize that the real presence of God now is available and possible because Jesus Christ was born to die. Yeah, hello, this is God. You know, pick, you know. <laughs> And usually when a phone goes off, you know how it is, you just kind of panic, and that means it rings 12 more times. But somebody made a nice save back there. Good job. So there's this sense that I am literally present with God because of this way that Jesus made between me and God. And that way, the only way, was death. Why? Because the Bible says that our lives are filled with sin and brokenness and sadness and all of the things that, that this world, this kingdom of man, this little kingdom puts upon us and that we receive. We are broken in our lives. We are sinful. We, we hurt people. We hurt God. And we recognize that. How can we possibly touch God? Well, it's through not only the life, but the death of Jesus Christ. John 3.16, that you learned as a child, for God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. The real presence of God is knowing and recognizing that Jesus died for your sin. And because of that, you are able to touch God. Now, there's a a wonderful painting. Um, Holman Hunt is one of the few American artists that has made, uh, you know, uh, that wasn't part of the Renaissance. Of course, there weren't any Americans back then. But anyway, there's Renaissance paintings. But take a look at this, uh, this painting by Holman Hunt. It's called The Shadow of Death, and here you have Jesus who's working in his father's uh, you know, wood shop, and he's stretching out. He's had a hard day, a long day at work, and, he's kind of, and, and the sun against his frame as he's stretching out, as you see in the back of it, is the shadow of the cross. Jesus didn't come to teach you 
how to be nice. Jesus didn't come to tell you, behave. Jesus didn't come to say, you know what, I want you guys to really be nice to each other and and do the golden rule. Jesus didn't come for any of those reasons. Jesus came for one reason and one reason. He came to die. He came to die for your sin. The Bible says that He takes all of your brokenness, whether it's Adam and Eve's eating of the fruit, or it's uh, anything that you have done, any lies that you've told, any things that you have done wrong, any people you have hurt, he has, he has died so that all of your sins would be given to Jesus and all of Jesus' goodness and grace and eternal life will be given to you. It's called the great exchange. And it's not fair. It's not fair that he gets all of our garbage and we get all of his grace. But that is how much God loves you. That is how much God says, I will do anything. I will die for the purpose and privilege of getting to know you and being in your life. And so he sent his son Jesus. Jesus came into the world to die. And that is why myrrh is such a fitting gift for the infant. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gifts for a king, a bridge builder, a savior. The reason we can be present with God today And stand in His presence, not cowering, but with undeserved privilege, is because Jesus Christ stands between us and God. And He says, I take all your sin and I die for your sin. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. When God looks at you, He looks at you through the heart and the eyes Jesus. God sees us through His Son. One of my all-time favorite Christmas stories, and one of the most charming stories I've ever read, was written by a father whose wife went Christmas shopping one Saturday afternoon and left Dad home with the kids. The father was enjoying a quiet time at home, dozing on the couch, watching a little football, and suddenly the kids came roaring and said, Daddy, Daddy, we we have a, a play for you. We want to put on a play for you. And And even though Daddy didn't really want to play, he knew that if he didn't, he'd get in trouble with Mom. So he said, sure, I would love to be part of, watch your play. So he became a one-man audience, went to the living room. At the foot of the piano was a stool with a flashlight, and he recognized immediately, this is a Christmas story. It was turned on and wrapped in swaddling clothes, as you would expect every uh, flashlight to be wrapped, lying in a shoebox. Then Rex, age six, came in wearing Dad's bathrobe and carrying a mop handle. Uh, He was followed by Nancy, age 10, who announced, I'm Mary and this is Joseph. Then Trudy, age 5, with scarves on her arms, came in flopping her arms and she said, I am an angel. Finally, in came Anne, age 8, riding a camel, at least it appeared to be. She was in her mother's high shoes, bedangled with all of her uh, bling, and uh, she definitely looked like a wise man. And she announced, I am all three wise men. She must have been the leader of the pack. And I bring precious gifts of gold, circumstance, and mud. And that was the end of the play. Except for the dad. The dad was kind of wrecked after that. He thought, man, to take my kids to teach me what Christmas is really all about? Of course, he could have corrected them and say, no, no, it's gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But no, what they said was the real meaning of Christmas. No, we bring all of our gifts. Every one of us, you, me, every one of us, we bring all of our gifts. 
And our gifts are terrible, by the way. We bring our gifts of gold, circumstance, and mud. I don't know about you, but at Christmas season, it's the time to reflect on the fact that we really don't have much we can give God. We really don't. But what we do have, we give to Him through His Son, Jesus Christ, because He, the pontifex, the bridge builder, made a way. All of your sins, all of your brokenness, all of your circumstances, as hard as they are, all of your mud is given to Jesus in exchange for His peace, His presence, and eternal life. Can you imagine a more precious gift that you could receive for Christmas? The gift of undeserved privilege, gift of His presence. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, we're so grateful that our children have led the way to help us understand what Christmas is all about. These little children who believe without any adult screens or filters, they just believe in you. And Father, when it comes to the Christmas season, one of the things that we sing, one of the great hymns, is that we're supposed to get lost in wonder, love, and praise. Sometimes we get lost in trying to understand and figure out and and deconstruct. But Father, we want to get lost in the wonder, love, and praise of this one fact. We can stand tall in your presence. Not because we are good, not because we behave, because we don't. But we can stand in your presence because Jesus Christ took our sins, our circumstances, our mud, and he died for them on the cross so that we might have life and have it with full abundance. Father, that is the greatest gift of all. And Lord, if there are some here this morning who would say, I've never experienced that gift, I would just ask, Lord, that you would help them to, in the quietness of their own heart, just say a prayer this morning, even before we leave, and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I I, I long to have you in my life. And I give you my gift, as meager as it is, of my sin and my circumstances and my mud. And I receive your gift of eternal life. Lord, if, if that's a prayer that there are those here that would pray today. I would just encourage them to pray that prayer. So now, Lord, as we uh, close the service, we ask that you would open our hearts to the world. As we go out, this message cannot be kept to us. What a tragedy. If we allow this message to be kept, help us to pass out cookies, help us to pass out cards, help us to invite our friends and those that we know and that we run into and say, come to Christmas Eve. And Lord, you want to do something great on Christmas Eve see many people come to Christ. So all of these things, Father, we pray in the precious name of Jesus. And all of God's people together said, Amen. Amen.